From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor, and this is FT News. When China's HNA became Deutsche Bank's biggest shareholder a year or so ago, not many people had heard of this company. Well, now Rob Smith, the FT's capital markets correspondent, has unearthed far more detail about the structures lying behind HNA, and some of what he has discovered is hardly reassuring for investors. Well, here to talk about that with me now are Rob Smith and also Laura Noonan, the FT's investment banking correspondent. Rob, you have written a fascinating expose of the true identity of Deutsche Bank's biggest shareholder. Now, as many people who are listening to this will know, HNA, a slightly shadowy Chinese group bought into Deutsche Bank with very little warning a year or so ago, taking close to 10% of the shares. What your reporting has revealed is that they're arguably more shadowy than we thought. They're certainly more complex than we thought. And there are entities that lie behind the group that no one seems to have ever heard of. Tell us more. Yeah. What a lot of people who haven't spent the time to look at H&A probably don't realise is that there is no one H&A. There's sort of a hundred different entities with cross holdings in one another, some of which are in mainland China some of which are in Hong Kong, and then some of which are in the British Virgin Islands, Bermuda, all those kind of offshore island, very secret sort of places. Let's state for the record, first of all, what we do know, or what we thought we knew about HNA. HNA had its roots in a Chinese airline, Hainan Airline, decades ago, but has since become a conglomerate and went through this slightly mad expansion phase over the past, what, 12 to 24 months where it was buying companies around the world. Yeah, it was seemingly buying not just airline-related stuff anymore and using very complicated forms of financing to do so often with a lot of debt at different levels. So you could look at one entity and say, oh, this is the debt here, but actually there was more debt. Uh, Another entity secured on that debt and all sorts of very opaque stuff going on. And so what was the most interesting thing that you discovered when you started delving deep into the structures behind the broader HNA group? The way I really got interested in it was someone had told me that a man called Lars Windhorst had tried to do a deal for HNA. A lot of people won't know who Lars Windhorst is, but he's incredibly famous in Germany because he had several very high-profile bankruptcies and then a suspended jail sentence for some financing techniques that went wrong, shall we say. I managed to get hold of the investor presentation that his group made for H&A, and this was back in 2012, before anyone really in the West knew a lot about H&A. But what struck me was just the structures they were using in this presentation were incredibly complex. So that kind of got me digging into what else have they done. And I sort of asked someone, what's the most interesting thing about this tangle of companies? And, you know, he's a very smart person who'd spent a lot of time trying to understand it. And he said, well, you can't ultimately really find out where Deutsche Bank sits in this whole mess if you go through the public filings. So that was kind of like the spark which led me on this kind of journey of trying to discover what the answer was. And it led you ultimately to Bermuda. Yeah, it's very interesting. So there's two entities that hold the H&A stake. And one is called Innovation Finance. And that was set up last year, primarily as a commodities trading unit. But the thing is, the entity above that is supposedly called GAR. But it's incredibly hard to find anything about this entity. H&A has some GAR logos on some promotional material and presentations, but it 
gives no explanation of what it is. In some filings, it's called Gar Holding. In other filings, it's called Gar Holdings. And in Bermuda, there is a company's house register for GAR Holding. It has the same head as H&A Innovation Finance. They are presumably the same. And yet, we don't know that. <laughs> and H&A won't tell us or haven't told us whether they are one and the same. So a lot of questions, limited answers so far, but I know your reporting is ongoing on this. Of course, another layer of complexity on all of this is that when HNA acquired this shareholding, they used a structure devised with UBS to collar their holding to protect the downside on that. And so at various points when the share price of Deutsche Bank falls, UBS ultimately becomes the beneficial owner. Is that right? Potentially. This is the problem with collars and what a collar is in simple terms, and there are no simple terms. It's a lot like a margin loan where you use derivatives to hedge out the triggers on a margin loan. So typically a margin loan would trigger if the stock slides. But the point is they're all different and they're all very complicated. And it's a private facility that UBS has provided H&A. And again, when we say H&A, we mean one of H&A's entities. And it's very hard to get any kind of clarity on what the state of affairs is. Let me bring Laura in at this point, because the root question here is, what does this mean for Deutsche Bank? This is its biggest shareholder, and there's huge mystery around it. We know that the chairman, Paul Achleitner, was closely involved with bringing in this investment at a point where Deutsche Bank really needed fresh capital. And yet it feels more like a liability, really, than a benefit for the bank to have this investor on board. I think Deutsche is certainly at a stage now where it could live without them and would probably happily live without them. The problem is that having an obtuse structure does not in itself block somebody from buying a stake. Now, in theory, the European Central Bank looks after the fitness and probity of bank owners. And in theory, they should have done everything that Rob has done and more. And because they're allowing GAR or GAR to maintain this stake, they should be reassured that GAR is a fit and proper owner for a Eurozone bank. I mean, there's two things that a bank needs to meet shareholders. In the crisis situation, they would ideally like shareholders to be capable of putting up additional funds. I don't think anyone really thinks that Deutsche is going to have a capital raise in the next couple of years. Now, with Deutsche, you can never really say never. They have a lot of form on this. But there isn't an urgent capital need that they need their shareholders to fill. The other then is that in the event H&A becomes a forced seller, it could have a massive impact on the stock. You should think, if you believe in any kind of underlying value of the stock, that in the event that there was a HNA-related fire sale off that stake, it would lead to short-term price weaknesses. But underlying, it should be in a better place than it is today because you have taken away the uncertainty factor of when HNA is going to pull out. So for a long-term investor in the bank, I would not say this is an issue. For a short-term investor, and we're thinking about the share price move over the next couple of months, given what's happening around the Chinese companies generally, with the whole Anbang situation, if you think... H&A could pull out in the next few months, but then you certainly wouldn't be holding on to much Deutsche if you're looking for value in the short term. For the bank, I think there's a number of people within the bank at senior levels who would happily have H&A off the share register. The problem is they can't do very much about their shareholders. Just a quick thing to pick up on there. You mentioned Anbang, the recent crackdown from the Chinese authorities on the big Chinese insurer. Remind us exactly what happened there and what the parallel with H&A might be. Well, I guess Anbang was viewed as one of the most expansionary and successful Chinese financial companies. It was a big insurance company going out and making acquisitions, investments all over the world and is now being controlled by the Chinese state indefinitely. 
it was kind of seen as being invincible because its senior operatives had very close links to the Chinese government. But actually, it is being brought under state control as China looks to manage its economy even more carefully. So you would just worry that if they were to move against HNA in a similar way, that might have implications for HNA's overseas investments, including Deutsche. We will see and we will keep a close watch. We may invite Rob back when he gets more answers to his questions. Thank you for that. This is a segment from the FT Banking Weekly podcast, which comes out every Tuesday and can be downloaded from all the usual podcast apps. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.